Look up there in the sky. It's a bird. A plane. It's Handsome Boys Comics Hour. Those boys are so handsome. One Arn Anderson. One Tully Blanchard. One weekly discussion of comics and nerd culture. I'm your host, Robbie Dorman, literature geek and writer. I'm your other host, Eric Z. Goodnight, professional artist and illustration nerd. And we are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. We're here for news reviews, slightly antagonistic banter, and much, much more. So, episode 139, Robbie. One, no, 192. No, no, 139. What? Is happens? when we did Ken and Ryu. Oh, okay. Dear God. That was some fast research. <laughs> It turns out if you, it turns out Google is good at searching for things. Oh right, search bars. Yeah, but this is not episode one thirty nine. No, this is episode one ninety two. I was right. It was like a year ago. That's over a year ago. Yeah, that's a little over a year ago. Hey, handsome, how you guys doing out there? We're losing track of ourselves or our own continuity. Mm-hmm. Crisis on infinite podcasts. Yeah, luckily at like two hundred, we're gonna reboot, give ourselves new origins. Yep. With extreme uh, new hosts, I'm gonna get a bunch of pouches. I'm gonna get bandoliers with gun for cool. bullets that I don't need. Mm-hmm. It's true. With bullets the size of your hands. Mm-hmm. Like grenade mm-hmm. slugs. I'm gonna get guns with pouches on them. Well, how else are you gonna shoot pouches at people? Pouch gunner. Yeah. Surprise. It's very, very don't, meta. Don't be giving Rob Rob Liefeld any ideas. He doesn't need them. I just kind of want to write this comic that we're describing. Pouch gun. Yeah. What's the name of it? I mean, why not just Pouch Gun? Is the name of the character Pouch Gun? He can be... His name is Gun Hard. <laughs> and he has a Pouch Gun? Sure. Okay. This is genius. This is good. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. This is this is a good, uh, good parody. Yes. We will be discussing Extremity, Volume 1. An actual good comic an book. An actually good... Yes, an actually good comic book. Later on in Nerdboy Book Club. Spoilers. We like it. Uh... Before we get there, I, I liked it before we read it. I know so <laughs> it was a, it was it was kind of <laughs> they already had it in the bag. It was their game to lose. Mm-hmm. Before we get there, we have comic books that came out this week to talk about. Eric, Robbie, it's time for Weekly Floppies. Weekly Floppies is a part show. Eric and I will read a selection of this week's books. Tell you to buy or do not buy them. There may or may not be a mush meter involved. Depending how mushy we feel about our feelings. I don't feel mushy on my feelings, but sometimes I feel mushy about bad comic books. Sometimes I feel mushy about my feelings. Okay, I guess that's a fair cop, but I don't because I'm a real man. Toxic masculinity. (laughs) Over here. Over there? Over here. Over you, where you are. Over in the corner of my monitor where I see the little picture of you that I took. Yes, with the cat toy on my shoulder. Mm -hmm. Took it 16 years ago. Mm Mm-hmm. Our first book of the week is Elsewhere, number one, written by Jay Faber, Art Sumeye Kesgin, colors Ron Riley, letters designed Thomas Maurer. J- uh, um, Jay Faber, no thank you. Jay Faber writes Cotton. cotton. What was it? Uh, uh, like Cottonhead, right? That's the name of what's the name of the comic book that I can't remember the name of because I'm an idiot. You're surely you're not trying to say Copperhead. Copperhead. That's see, like what I said, Eric. I'm an idiot. See, that, writes that's a Hopper. that's what I'd call a that's what I'd call a good comic. I don't just from the premise of this, I'm just sickened. 
there are some moments where it's not like bad, bad, bad. Mm-hmm. But like, who told the just like so weird to put the literal Amelia Earnhardt in a in a in a, in a comic book like this? That is so strange to me. Like strange in in a way that I really don't appreciate or think is all that clever. I this oh what is the there's another oh I'm trying to think of something that does this exact same thing. Oh, what is in it? terms of what the of real a, character of a real a real, a real historical figure dropping into a fictional universe. Um, I can't remember it. It, the two it, examples that I can think of are probably not what you're thinking of and are not really a perfect analog to this. What are you thinking of? I am thinking of the Venture Brothers and Lonesome Dove. Oh, no, I'm not thinking of either of those. Yeah, I, I imagine that you were not. I I don't know. I can't remember what... I don't know. It It's... <laughs> tombstone. This... Actually, the Tombstone is a... Is is a fictionalized account of real events. This is yes, exactly. This is fictionalized events with real people inserted into it in a dopey way. Yeah, I I was not on board. Mm-hmm. And then the last page, there's DB Cooper on it. I don't know who DB Cooper is. I oh, have heard the name. Okay, I have definitely heard the name before. I, I just went. I was like, oh, this is kind of. Mm kind of just like meh for me but then they're like hey we're doubling down on this the kind of ridiculousness mm-hmm. of this i'm like okay maybe maybe i'll check out another issue or two so the so the dummies like me that did not google who db cooper is I, do you want to explain to me why this works for you and uh, db cooper is uh of a, a, a kind of i forget exactly what year was db cooper the first uh, the actual 71 yeah i knew it was the 70s um D.B. Cooper, a, 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 a guy who went by Dan Cooper, at least he bought mm-hmm. his ticket, he bought an airplane ticket under Dan Cooper, showed up on an airplane, hijacked it with a suitcase that may ha- or may not have had a bomb in it, got a lot of money, uh, from, uh, the authorities, uh, basically hijacked the airplane, landed, got his money and some parachutes, let all the people off the plane, went back up in the air, and then jumped out. And he's never been found. And they don't know who he actually is. They just, he's referred to as D.B. Cooper. But mm-hmm. there's a lot of crazy, you know, conspiracy theories about who or who he was or who he is. Is he still alive? No one knows. No one's, he's never been found. The money's never been found. It's a, you know, a big weird myth, mystery thing. Uh, it's also, I, I don't know. It's, it's, I feel like having him in this comic, I like it because you know, like you say, it's easy to dismiss this. It's just like, oh, Amelia Earnhardt in a weird fantasy world. And like, she's like mm-hmm. immediately empathizing with these flying monsters. I'm just like, oh, okay. And then suddenly like, no, it, I like that reveal because I feel like it, it, it shows to me the, the general direction of this comic book and that they're going to be doing this. This is what like, they're going to be, Hey, D.B. Cooper's in this comic, and it's really dumb, but that's what we're going, we're like, we are going for it. It, it's, it, I don't know. I, I like it, I, I don't know, I, I like it enough that I want to see issue two. How about that? <sighs> you don't, I, I'm just saying, that's, I, I feel like you kind of, what you're saying, I, I, this, this feels like an all ages comic, and I think that 
giving a shit about who DB Cooper is mm-hmm. is, I mean, either you had to know that or you'd have to care enough to look it up. Mm-hmm. And like this is this is a bunch of things that they're trying that doesn't quite work. This is a thing that I would maybe check in on after a couple of issues based on the fact that I do like Copperhead. This this feels like the parts of Copperhead that fall a little flat for me. There just is enough good in Copperhead that I like it. This is kind of all the all the bad stuff. I, I don't know. I could not at any point bring myself to hate it. It just... It's just a dumb comic, you know? It feels like it's told in these big, broad strokes, and I uh, I don't know. Do you like how it looks? Hopefully it... I, I do... I like how... It's, it's not badly drawn. It's an interesting-looking book. Um, I hope it doesn't, like, this... I, I hope it remains kind of at this level, and it doesn't have, like, any kind of violence or anything like it. At least it should continue to be kind of an all-ages book, because it feels pretty gentle and kiddish so i hope it doesn't walk that back i don't know i'm i'm interested i'm a i, I think I'm, I, I'm a mushy buy i'm like a buy mush meter too i was completely against it until you said that and now your perspective is kind of making me question myself <laughs> i think it's dumb you know but maybe it's the kind of dumb that could go somewhere okay i i don't know I think at least I'm going to just go ahead and fall down on the do not buy side. Okay. But it's it might be worth checking out a trade. That's a split decision on Elsewhere number one. Next up, we have Generations, Banner Hulk, and the Totally Awesome Hulk number one. It's a bad title. Written, yeah. Written by Greg Pak, art Matteo Bafani, colors Dono Sanchez Almara, letters Corey Pettit. There's going to be a whole bunch of these. Of all the, of all, almost all the Marvel heroes that have, you know, shared multiple people under the the titles they're gonna be there's gonna be one of these for them mm. and it's probably and it seems like it's giving us a direction for as they relaunch you know they launch marvel legacy they relaunch you know all these books with their original numbering because you know the next incredible hulk is gonna be 900 and whatever or seven whatever number they're on um these are gonna this is the i think the test i'm gonna put these under is the same thing i was doing those rebirth issues for dc where i went well, some of these seem like zero issues that you don't need to read, mm-hmm. and then and a few of them felt like necessary and compelling things that I that were worth reading and worth that that actually did something, not just like here's the status quo for twenty pages, and then you don't and you just spent four dollars for stuff mm-hmm. you already knew. Mm-hmm. Does that does this do anything for you? Um, if I compare it to that test that you're saying, mm-hmm. it kind of doesn't, but that's not really the way I was coming at it. Like this, this is a nice looking book. This guy draws the Hulks very well. He draws the monster very well. The, the explosions, it's, it's, it's fun action sequences. And it's just, I don't know. It's mindless popcorn Hulk punching fun. And on that level, I enjoyed it, but yeah, there's not really a whole lot of substance here. Because it does exactly that. It just establishes some kind of status quo for whatever odd reason. Um, doesn't seem like it gives any explanation of why Amadeus Cho went back in time for some odd reason. It's a weird thing. 
Yeah, I don't, I don't know if they're gonna, if there's a, some Deus Ex that's gonna happen at the end of Secret Empire. I assume there is. With, uh, the, uh, the, um, the cube, the cosmic cube. Mm-hmm. I imagine it's gonna do something, reset things, because of the quagmire Marvel has put themselves in. Uh, and I assume that this is just part of that, or they'll try and explain most of these generations issues through that, where like, there's some moment where all these heroes were pushed into some, you know, they had to reconcile with the legacy of what they are. I, I don't know. It, it feels like, I, I mean, I like Greg Pak. I think he's mm-hmm. a good, I think he's a good writer. I, I also like the art of this. It does look yeah. really, the, 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 the monsters, you know, look, the, 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 the anger Hulk looks really good. Mm-hmm. And they, it does a really good job of differentiating the two. Yeah. Um, I enjoy this book. Um, despite myself, I don't know if it's worth buying. I, in fact, think it's easily skippable. Yeah, there. I think that they, he's. I think they're trying to delve into, you know, what is the Hulk, and I, I you know, they have mm-hmm. show, Amadeus show basically, you know, his re- revelation at the end is, you know, this is a curse. This is not a. There's. This is not a good thing to have this ability to be to be able to become the Hulk. Um, like, I just feel like it doesn't quite land, like it gets three quarters of the way there. And then it feels like the book has a lot of, of the punching and not, doesn't quite get to the part. I feel like it doesn't, I don't, you know, the, it, it's, it's a really tricky thing to sell the problems with the Hulk and it like being the Hulk. And like, I think that the, it's. I don't know if going back to when the Hulk was this uncontrollable rage monster is like, that's not, I don't know. That was never an interesting banner to me. Yeah. That was never the most interesting banner to me. The banner, like Peter David's banner was always my favorite, but that, I mean, that's probably cause I grew up with it. I mean, honestly, mm. um, I, I don't, I think it's just, if we're, if I'm going to be reading, any of these legacy titles as they reboot with their the the, the, the regular numbering and all that, I'm just gonna. Pro- I, I mean, we'll probably end up reading a fair share of these generations titles, but I don't know. I think feel like most of them are they're like here. Here's an easy jumping on point, but also I feel like it's a little disingenuous because why not just have this as the issue where we come back to, like when they restart? I don't know. I'm, I'm I I think if you are a hardcore Hulk fan, you're buying this anyway. If, it, if you are like this, it's not like anything in this was surprising to me or like, Oh wow, this is where things are going or there's nothing revelatory. So I think I'm just do not buy, even though it, it's a good comic. It's just, I don't think mm-hmm. it's necessary. I, th- that's exactly where I land on it. Um, you know, if you want to be supportive of, Greg Pox, Amadeus Cho Hulk, which I still think is a good character and a good a good positive thing in the Marvel universe. Go for it, but me personally, I I, I think you can you'd be all right sleeping on this one. Yeah, or just start with the new Hulk uh, after Secret Empire's over, just buy the Incredible Hulk book, which is still going to have who knows what's happening with God Bruce with Banner. Who knows what the so he came he he's, he came they brought him back for Secret Empire. And of then, course. And then I think he died again. 
but it wasn't. It's, it, but but it if, was. If it ain't dumb, it ain't comics. It wasn't really. I don't know. It's confusing. I haven't been really. I just this is me following hearsay on the internet, so God knows what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is a double do not buy on Generations Banner Hulk and the Totally Awesome Hulk. Don't know why they just call it Generations Hulk or the Hulk. Why do you have to? Okay, and you have to. You have to put it in on the cover real big that it's both of them. Mm-hmm. Beside the picture, that's obviously both of them. Uh, our next book is Mech Cadet U, also written by Greg Pak, illustrated by Takeshi Miyazawa, colored by Triona Farrell, lettered by Sol- Simon Boland. He, that's another one of his boys. Uh, some some mechs, some ro- ro- they're, they're called robots. Robots, some robots. 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 A, a, sm- a small a small boy who wants to pilot a robot. Just never happened before. Nope. I, I like this book. So do I. Um, I think this is. Maybe the worst Takashi Miyazawa artwork that I've seen. You don't and like it's it? not. I I just think I have seen work from him that knocks my socks off. The robots look very good, but all the other stuff is a little bit lacking. You know, it feels sparse and empty, and it's not super doing it for me. I don't know. I I I I love their work together tremendously. Um. And I like this book. It's cute. It's fun. I want to see where it goes. Um, it is just like a Western take of a very tired anime trope. Yeah, that's I'm, uh, I'm, which I don't really mind. I mean, I don't either because I haven't, you know, I haven't watched most of this anime or read most of this manga, so it's not, you know, it's yeah. But even you are aware that that's what this is. Yes, I mean, uh, it's hard not to be aware of yeah the dozens of robots. It's ever it's everywhere. I, I'm curious if there is more more westernization of this, if there's more of like if that if that is brought into how this book works. You know, if it, if it it just goes the standard tropes and the standard you know uh, kind of plot shape as most of those shows have done, then I'm not as interested. But I'm curious to see if you know if they'll you know make this more of a does bring in uh, some, I don't know, influences of more modern, and 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 I'm curious to see what, who they, we. I mean, there's not much that like this book is is mostly about character. Honestly, it's not really about the lore mm. of you know. There's not a lot about you know. We know what the the robots show up for some reason and they bond with a person, but other than that, and there was giant monsters a long time ago. But I'm curious to see what goes on. I'm a buy. I think it. I I I think it looks good. I think it works well. I like the characters. Mm-hmm. I'm curious. Yeah, it's interesting you point out that it's not really about the world because I feel like they do strike a very good balance of showing the world and really focusing on who these characters are and revealing character about them, while the world takes a back seat. And it doesn't it doesn't pontificate to you. There's no just like, well, in 19 XDX, you know, it doesn't do that. Mm -mm. It's not just giant chunks of exposition. Um, It's a good comic. Um, I I just feel like Takashi Miyazawa was was a little rushed when he did it. And I I hope he really gets to put um, he really gets to focus and do his all on this. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a good comic. Absolutely. You should get it. 
uh, double by Mech Cadet U number one. Our next book is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Dimension X number one. Story Paul Allure, art Pablo Tunica, letter Sean Lee. Uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles in space. Well, actually, they're in Dimension X. I know, I know. I, I mean, they're riding. I know around you can't tell the difference. I can't tell the difference. I really, I like this comic book. I like it a lot too. And the only thing I don't like about it is that they look like the Michael Bay turtles. I don't have a problem. I think the drawing is very, very nice. Mm-hmm. It looks really nice. This whole book. It does. Uh, but it makes me uncomfortable that it's those giant meat headed things. I feel like it varies a little bit mm-hmm. depending on the, yeah, the sometimes page. they're they're yeah, sometimes they're poppy and they're full of appeal and they look cool and sometimes like they have like too many teeth or like a really weird head shape and I'm like Ugh, this is <laughs> horrifying. Um but this is a a neat book. It's well done. I I I like what they're doing here. Um and honestly, it, I really like Ninja Turtles. Like I'm I'm consistently surprised. Like I recently bought some of the Archie Ninja Turtles comics and they're delightful. You know, like it, you can tell a really good story around Ninja Turtles. Like it, it really works, you know? Mm-hmm. And I like, I, I mean, I like the, the, the antagonist in this too. I like this assassin mm-hmm. guy. He's really, he's a, a fun uh, villain for them to deal with. Um, I, I, I don't know. Like there's the thing is like, there's, a lot of turtle comics right now, and mm-hmm. I don't necessarily want to have to read all the turtle comics. So I hope this stays like this. I hope I don't know if this is going to be a ongoing series or there it's you know a mini or whatever. But I think this is very good. I think the art is very good. I mm. I I like you know I also I like the turtles in general. There it's not a hard sell for me, Mm-mm. and it. I think there's a lot of flavor and character and really good action uh, in this book. And it's a nice mix of everything. Um, bye-bye. Simple as that. Yeah. So it's double bye. Likewise. Double bye. TMT, TMNT Dimension X number one. Our last book of the week is Nightwing number 26. Oh, there we go. Written by Tim Seeley, art Javier Fernandez, colors Chris Sotomayor, letters Carlos M. Mangual. We haven't. You know, I don't you know check back in on old Dick Grayson, see where he's at. Some, mm-hmm. uh, some on just no, plain old Nightwing now. Not uh, he's not Grayson. He's in Bloodhaven, which is a name I'm still not sure I like, but that's fine. Yeah, I definitely don't dislike Tim Seeley. This is this is not really doing a whole heck of a lot for me. I think there's parts of it I really enjoy. Yeah, it's just there's parts of it that I really don't like too. I think it's it's What very, do you not what do you not really like? Um I really don't like the a lot of the the dialogue between particularly Huntress and Nightwing. I was going to say, yeah. That's the stuff that really stands out to me as I was reading and I mean like I'm not super familiar with most of these side characters, but they were 
still interesting to me. I'm still like, oh, I want to see what's going on. Like, I haven't been following this book, but maybe I'll get on board because I think these side characters seem interesting. But then, and they're like, I'm like, okay, that's it. Like, what are they doing? Like, they're, they're, some of the relationships, I'm like, oh, I'm, I might want to go back and read because I want to see what these guys are up, who are these people, what their relationships are like, because I felt like you can see that on the page. You can see their relationships. Um, but then you get the, like, it feels like as soon as you get the, as soon as Nightwing gets on the page, it tur like it has to, it's some, some flip switches or something. I don't know what it is. And it just like, it's like dialogue starts getting clunkier and I don't know why it just, it's just, it feels like that, that parody of expository superhero dialogue that I mm -hmm. don't, that is not good. Like when he goes Huntress and he's, yeah. and, and then she's like, what do you, why you can't call me by my regular name? He's like, well, you know, Batman trained me to only use code names. I'm like you don't have to, if you're going to just call her Huntress, just let it go or just call her Helena. We can figure it out. She's wearing the, the dang costume. It ain't complicated. I haven't seen a comic with this Huntress costume before. I it's like a second rate knockoff of the um, Spider Gwen costume. I don't like it. I like the art in general. It's not terrible. Um, it's got that really wispy, thin line inking that I'm not a fan uh, a fan of. I think it's hit or miss for me usually, but I like it here. Mm, I don't care for it. Um. It's hard for me to come down one way or the other. I am certainly not invested in this story, mm -hmm. and they're they're doing nothing to draw me in. I don't know this God, this this panel. He looks like he's trying to cuddle her in a towel. Does not look like he was trying to sneak up and attack anyone. I I, I just plain don't enjoy it. Okay, and I can I cannot give any single compelling reason to read this book. Um, and this is conceivably supposed to be the start of an arc. You're supposed to be hooked on this. It, it ain't getting me. There's, there's some nice drawing here. There's not real, really a whole lot that's grabbing me. So I, I don't know. I can do without it. I'm not sure, really. I think I'm a, I'm just going to say, like, I'm a super, I'm a mush meter full five buy on this. Uh, that's really surprising to me. I don't know. There's something about like I I don't know. I would I would say maybe go back and see old the older issues. Maybe pick up the, a couple of the trades with Tim Seeley's Nightwing and see how I feel about it. And then if coming back to this point, if it's good, I mean I don't I don't. This is that's the thing. It's like it's really hard to pick up an issue number twenty six that is theoretically starving arc. I mean DC is doing that now where they are putting the arc on the top of the title of the comic book on the front page of the cover mm -hmm. and saying here, this is, you, this is exactly here. This is where you're at in this. Here's a theoretically a jumping on point for new readers. And I mean, this gives you the bare bones you need for that. You're like, Oh, it's Nightwing. Oh, he's teaming up with Huntress to try and kill this person. But then the per like, and then it's spiral at the end. You're like, okay. So the ghost of spiral is coming back to, to take out Dick Grayson. You have missed the perfect opportunity, Robbie. Uh oh, what did I do? You do you miss the bullshit cover? Oh yeah, there is. This is definitely a complete bullshit cover. Mm -hmm. This cover is there's not the Huntress does not shoot 
Nightwing with crossbow bolts. The whole, the literal whole fucking issue is about them teaming up. Mm-hmm. The literal whole issue is about them being fucking partners. Mm-hmm. And the literal cover says partners no more. So maybe like three issues from now they break up? <clears throat> Jesus Christ. I don't know. It's comic books. They're all, like I said, bullshit cover. I, I think, now I'm doubting myself. I, I, I think there are. Dude, things- this just isn't good. <laughs> You can you can be full on mush if you want. I just I see I, nothing no, really well, redeeming about this. I'm not going to talk you one way or the other. I I there are parts of it that I like, and that's that's fine. I don't I I think that I don't know. Certainly, this day and age, comics cost a billion dollars, and it's tough to really say, hey, you should buy this book. And I think that this is easily one that that somebody should skip. I, I would I would like this to be good. I would like to read good good Huntress comics. I would like to read good. I mean, Grayson I thought was a lot of fun. You know, I have nothing against the characters and nothing against Tim Tim Seeley, but none of this adds up to to anything that feels like it's it's worth my dollar. And that's yeah. I rest my case. <laughs> case closed. Sustained? So, uh, no. You 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 can have your own opinion, buddy. Uh, it's okay. No, I. You're probably right. <laughs> well, I am right in that it is my opinion. No, but, but I mean, like, I like feel I said, like you're, you can literally. Feel I mean, you're probably you right that it's it it costs three dollars, and I don't think it's worth three dollars. It's just you know, no. I think like there's little bits in here that I really am intrigued by, but also. Going back to Discover, try and find the parts of those bits in the other comics that I'd read is also going to cost a million dollars. And it's just every time I want to go like, well, maybe I'll give this book a chance and read and dig into it. I go, oh, well, it'll only cost me $30. <sighs> it's a lot of money. Yeah. Okay. I'm a do not buy. I've decided. You waved me. Yes. <laughs> you win this round. That's a so... double, double do not buy Nightwing number 26. Just so you know. Mm-hmm. What do I know? Before we know, before we move on, mm-hmm. just for everyone listening, uh, we did Sonic and Knuckles twice already. Oh, good, excellent. Yeah, I've I've discovered these powers. I can research things now. <laughs> I've discovered the power of the internet. <laughs> okay, so we will move on. That's it for weekly floppies. There'll be more comic books next week, including Mister Miracle number one, which I'm very excited about. Which we will be reading. Okay. I just didn't know if you were excited about it for whatever odd reason. Uh, Tom King. Mitch Strauss. 12 issue. Compared, like, uh, multiple early reviews saying it is a spiritual sequel to The Vision. Well, that ought to be good. It should be good. That's why I'm excited. Mm -hmm. We can move on. Our next segment. It's time for checking in. Checking in is the part show Eric and I will talk about what we've been up to. Well, we've seen, done, played, read, watched. So, Eric. So, Robbie. What's going on? Finishing up paintings. About to have a solo show uh, next weekend. Need to get some things framed and try and do one more painting and get it up just in time. We'll see how that goes. Um, I think the third episode of Rick and Morty airs tonight. Ooh. Yeah. I, I bought the season on the YouTubes, which I might have checked in with already. You did last week. Yeah. 
So I'm going to be following that. I'm pretty excited about it. I also bought the latest season of Steven Universe so I could catch up on it. And that was delicious. How uh, how current with that are you? You watched like four episodes and then stopped? I don't even think I've watched that much. That's unfortunate. It's a really, really, really excellent show. I think possibly my favorite fictional character of all time is probably Pearl from Steven Universe. Just because of... It's 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 interesting, like how complicated she is, and they still manage to to sort of get her over. You know, you're just wrestling terminology yeah. now. It's just it, it, infiltrated, it works, though. It really works, though. A friend of mine was was used that when she was talking about the Inhumans, and I'm like, that really works. I mean, the language it, it, the language yeah. of, of wrestling is a uh, language of metafiction. Mm-hmm. This is why so many nerds like it. Yeah, no, it's true. Rick and Morty, Steven Universe. Mm-hmm. Drawing aliens. Drawing aliens. Drawing aliens. I'm gonna do a big painting of Prince probably as soon as I get off uh, get off the old podcast horn with you. Is that what you we'll see? How that goes? Is that what you huh? talk into? I mean, yeah, talk- I have like an old uh, an old like Edison recorder horn. Oh, okay. I was I was and thinking I, more I mean, like if- a like a goat. Like a like a like a goat horn that you like. Well, like, it is made out of like a, a mythical goat's horns. Oh, uh, okay, good. Yeah, and that's how I do different vocal effects. I change it out for different horns. Got it. That is why it's called a horn, you know, because they are made out of literal horns. I I will change it out for a uh, 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 a deer horn with all the prongs <laughs> and talking at all those that creates the reverb. This is science, people. <laughs> Uh, oh, what, what else? What else have you, else what else right have you done, Eric? You, have I don't you know. Read anything? Oh yeah, I did. I did go to. I did go to MetroCon really how, briefly. How was that? Uh, it was lovely. Um, there were some some cute artists there. Really didn't spend a whole lot of money on art. I'm more or less over prints at this point, and I also kind of don't care about fandom. You know, I don't really need to see prints of Overwatch fan art. But I do, you know, this is a thing that I've been chewing on because Tampa Bay Comic Con, there were definitely some very lovely people there. And I did have, I think, a net good experience. But I think that like regular comic book fandom or at least like the people that go to Tampa Bay Comic Con are like there are people that think, oh, I like comic books, but they haven't read one in five years, you know. Mm-hmm. Like they're they're not reading anything current. They're not interested in new characters. They're not interested in the new direction of comics. They couldn't tell you a single writer or comic artist that has done anything in probably the past ten years. I don't think that you necessarily need to be all these things to be to consider yourself this. I'm not going to have the fake geek girl conversation, but these people definitely come to these cons and they're not interested in anything there they're just there for spectacle to where like the metrocon crowd they're not my crowd they're definitely there for their fandom they're but they're there to meet artists to talk about the things that they love and there's so much more interest and passion and it's so much more pure and this is i think the reason that like comics is skewing more female now and it is really the reason that like 
the culture is 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 definitely I, 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 I it's 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 a trend that I like you know I I don't know that it's like every everywhere but like definitely going and seeing a show like this they're much better people it's much more interesting and fun and just so, so much a better crowd Tampa Bay Comic Con was a little bit gross it was really great vendors and really cool artists and not so great people in the crowd for the most part. Well, I mean, I think you, we talked, we touched on that last week. Is mm-hmm. the, we did. The I nit, definitely the, ranted about it. Then, well, but. I mean, the, I mean, about the, the knit more niche mm-hmm. conventions mm-hmm. like Metrocon. It's, it's mm-hmm. more niche than a, it's, it, it, it isn't really niche. It's just anime cons in general. I'm Eric. I mean, and how it's it, it there, will, there's tons of them. It's not really that niche. The people like the people who go to a con a comic con, the people you're talking about, will not go to an anime con. Oh, I know. Well, that's what I'm saying. When I'm saying niche, I mean yes, there's a lot of people, but almost all the people who go to anime cons are anime fans. There's not just Hell, like yeah. general fans of nerd culture who go to anime cons. Most people who go to anime cons, probably ninety or higher percent. They reg- they watch anime. They they are up. They watch new anime. They yes, are. They do. They are hardcore about it. They will cosplay as anime characters that I can't recognize. Uh, that's what I'm saying. I'm saying like when you have even and it like when I say niche, I don't mean like one you specific. You just thing. mean no. I mean you, like I I think not yeah, the I think giant umbrella that is a comic. The, no, a, quote unquote comic con. It's well. That's the thing. They're not trying to bring in people who are interested in The Walking Dead and like here's some random guy from Game of Thrones. They're not trying to do that work and be this huge, massive cultural con. They're just trying to appeal to people that are passionate about the thing. Like, to me, the dream of uh, comic cons in the early 2000s, or maybe the mid 2000s, or even the late 2000s. It's still alive in anime cons, and I think that a lot of my artist friends are really getting that because they're they still care. It's it's a it's a good thing, and it it does it gives me it, seeing those little nerdlings. It it gives me hope. I I I I like it a lot, and it made me happy. So I hope that that is a positive trend when I definitely see the big cultural, you know, general comic culture cons kind of turning into something that I don't like. Hey, Eric. Hey, Robbie. I played a video game. How unlike you. Did you also pet a cat? I mean, yes, I have done that today. Even. You might. You, next thing you're going to tell me that you, you drank a Coke Zero and ate a sandwich. There is an empty Coke Zero directly in front of me. Of course there is. You act like I don't know you. <laughs> As I, I smear the pig grease off my mouth. Tacoma. I played and beat Tacoma. Why don't you tell me all about it? Tacoma while is... I bring it, while I bring it up in Steam. <laughs> Tacoma is um, the newest game that came out this week from Fulbright Games. They made Gone Home, most famously. Uh, Tacoma is very similar to, to Gone Home in that it is a, quote-unquote, walking simulator. Mm. Or there's other genre names for it that people have come up with, but that's the one most people are most familiar with. I, I don't. I, I think when people finally settle on, I think like exploration, like space, mm. like there's there's all kinds of different names. Uh, people use walking similar simulator as pejorative, but I 
I like those games in general, so I don't consider you, it one. You've definitely checked in with a lot of them. Mm-hmm. It's, I, I mean, I don't know. I don't see any difference between this and like a, a storybook or something like that, you know? Like, it's a perfectly fine thing well, to I mean, make. I think people complain about them because they think they're not real games, that argument, but... They kind of aren't, but who gives a shit? Well, I mean... This is a thing that it's a it's a good experience. It's like watching a movie that you can interact with. It doesn't mean it's a game game, but it's still like it's an interactive like whatever the fuck. Well, I it just might mean that maybe the term video game does not necessarily mean like an actual game game that it's broader than than that. It's yeah, the I, I think that is something that the video game industry is continuing to struggle with um Mm -hmm. but i think that some i think bad examples of the genre probably are that where you're like this doesn't need to be a video game you can tell the story in other ways yeah but this game and i think gone home uh what remains of finch firewatch all those games i think they couldn't be this type of storytelling couldn't be done any other way it's not Mm. you couldn't go to a movie and see this same story at least not it not told in the same way uh tacoma is it's a science fiction story uh you are uh you are a a freelancer or a contractor uh going to it's the future 2088 i believe is the year you're at you're Mm -hmm. going to a space station tacoma to find out what happened there's been some kind of disaster uh, and you're trying to piece together what happened there and for uh, this big corporation that you work for. Uh, and you do that by uh, the space station basically keeps an AR memory of everything that's happened. And like augmented reality, meaning that when yeah. you step into a space, you can relive moments in time. And so you're basically, as you're going through the space station, you are seeing scenes play out in front of you with these kind of wireframe figures. Um, and you can pause, rewind, move around the space and see, like, you'll be in this one section of the station and there'll be six different people all in this area. And two of them over here having a conversation, two of them over here having a conversation, one person over here working, another person over here exercising in the, in the, let's say the gym. And you can play through the scene backwards and forwards from every different perspective. So you can walk to where these two people are having a conversation. You start from the beginning, you watch what they're, you, you listen and hear what they're doing. Uh, voice acting is amazing. It's really, really good. I don't, the, despite the fact that you, you only see these people's faces in their like ID pictures and in stuff you find in the environment and stuff you find on computer screens. You never see, you know, what you're seeing play out in front of you is literally just like these colored wireframes and they imbue a lot of character and, 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 and individuality into these, each of these characters with how they're, how big they are, what color they are with the voice acting, with how they're written. And you're, you scrub back and forth as you're going through these scenes and you're trying and you're, you, you get a really good sense of who these characters are, why they're in the space station and what, and how they react when this disaster happens. And you just explore the station. You are recovering these things theoretically for uh, the person who's hired you, the company that's hired you. And you learn a lot about the world. You learn a lot about the disaster and, I don't know. It's not. 
I, I think Gone Home was revelatory for a lot of people because of it was the first game really to break through of that type. And because it dealt with, I don't know, more serious issues about, uh, you know, homophobia and LGBT, LGBT stuff in general. This game is not really about that. It is just a science fiction story. A really good one. Uh, that I really enjoyed. I really liked my time with it. It, it's like a three hour game, probably three or four hours. Like most of these games, I think I, I, it doesn't benefit from being longer. It has a finite story to tell, and that's the story, you, and you experience it. You can spend a lot, you can spend as much time as you want there. It, like you can explore and pick, you can pick up everything, and every single thing is imbued with a little bit of world in it. Like you pick up a, a mug, and the mug will say something, and you'll be like, hmm, and you can, you know, go around and look at the cleaning robot and look at the environment and see what these environments are saying about their character, as well as just the scenes that you're envisioning with the AR. Uh, everything is really intricately crafted and purposefully placed. And that's what I really enjoy about the best examples of these games is that there's nothing just put somewhere just to, for flavor. It's actually like, no, that's meaningful. That everything you see means something, even if it's small. Uh, the world they've made, the world that it's in feels real and feels possible, probable even at some point, scarily even. The, the world that the future is in is, it's not dystopic, but it, it feels a little, a little bit, I don't know, sad. And it feels, where we're at now, it feels like a possibility that isn't necessarily great. Uh, it's really well done. Really well executed. I would definitely suggest pretty much everyone to play it. I don't, I don't, it's a, a, a very good example of the genre. It looks really gorgeous. Um, the game engine and the art direction is really, really, really nicely done. I think you can do a lot worse for a $20 game. How many hours of uh, gameplay and or replayability do you think you get for it? Three, three or four, depending on how three fast. Three or four hours. Depending how fast you read and how fast you, you know, get through the environment. Um, is it a thing you can replay at all with uh, you, different endings or new things to there's, explore? There's not new end. There, I don't. There's no new endings. It is a. It's relatively linear. Uh, mm -hmm. Which I frankly, if you're telling, if you have a specific story to tell, yeah, make it linear. I, honestly, I don't want. False, oh, of course, I don't want like the 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 thing with Mass Effect is where people got upset because. You got, they, got funneled, they got funneled down into one story when they were told they had this promise of, oh, my choices, they should matter. And, and this is just like, no, there's an ending and there's a story and there, that's, it, it's how much of the story you get because you, there's some of it you don't really need to finish the game. You don't need to enjoy, but I took my time and I, you know, read everything. I dug into every record. I did, I think as much as I could. Although by the end of the game, the story becomes really interesting and compelling, and there's multiple moments where I was really affected. I was really, I went, oh, because you start to realize, like, just because you recognize, there's a moment where I, I took a breath and I went, and I, I took in my surroundings, and just by that I went, oh, right, that's what that means. And I can't really tell you that, because it's it definitely is a spoiler, but it, it was really powerful and really good. Um, I Again, I... Frankly, at a certain point, I really relish these short three, four hour games. Like, I, I'm getting told a specific story and it's in and out and succinct. And here's what, here's what it is. And I, like, 
of course certain games like you're like that that's it but i don't i don't i feel satisfied after i beat this i think that's people are always searching for like oh i spent 50 dollars on a game i should get 150 hours out of it i'm like well are is all those 150 hours good yeah is it how much of that was actually fun how much of it was impactful how much of it was meaningful and it, more and more i go oh it's 20 dollars and i get the entire time i'm playing it i'm feeling I'm not going, this is not, I'm not doing busy work. I'm not grinding. I'm not wandering from one town to another. I'm not spending time on quests I don't care about the entire time. I'm feel. I'm engaged and I'm, 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 I feel impacted. Still playing Player Unknown's Battlegrounds. Of course you are. Of course I am. Finished third yesterday. Got a, that's third place. Can't, I can't win. Got the second once, right? I've gotten a second three times now. And I get I get top ten and top five pretty regularly now. I just can't I can't break through. I I just the escalation around video game skill is insane to me. Like you are not terrible at video games, and for you to have never gotten a first place finish is crazy to me. I think part of the problem is is that I've I'm I've gotten to the point where I'm regularly I get you know I, I I've gotten to the point where I'm good enough that I can do well and and get up to that top 10 regularly and that is they do have mmr they do have matchmaking in there that you know tries to put people with their composite skill and i think i'm now i've been placed with people who are generally very good and i just can't Mm. i can't it's very difficult to break through that barrier and there is some luck involved in all of this so it's not it's not just like, hey, the best pl- the best player always wins. It's just like there's so yeah. many there's so many variables that that game is you can't you just have to sometimes you just get lucky and that's the, most of my oh, I think the last two two place finishes I've just I got really lucky about where I where I happen to be when uh, the last couple circles which is really determines who wins or loses is really the last few circles where they're placed and where you have to go if you don't have to move. If you just get really lucky and post up on a place where you don't have to move, you are an incredible advantage uh, to at least be in the, t- the last couple. And then at that point, it's kind of like, well, can you maneuver around and be smart, outplay the other person? It's all right. I'll, I'll get it eventually. It's only a matter of time. Also still watching G1. It's almost over. Like one more week and then we determine a G1 winner. It's really exciting. Really good. You should watch a G1, Eric. You were working on me hard. It's just a challenging thing. Watch two hours of wrestling every day for like a month, basically. Yeah, it's a lot. It is, but That's it's also an awful, awful lot. It's also as really, much as as much as I love wrestling. It's also really, really good. I I don't doubt it. Generally, when you tell me something is really, really good, I at this point I feel like I can trust your opinion. It's pretty rare when you're what you're actually saying is it's really, really Robbie. I mean, no, this is very, very good. I'm, yeah, I'm I'm all aboard. You you've led me in the correct direction more often than not. Uh, I think that's that's all I got though. I mean, I could talk about player unknowns, battlegrounds, uh, you know, pan mechanics more if you want, but no, I don't need more pan mechanics. Yeah, I don't need I don't need more talk about invincible pans. Okay. All right, folks. Uh, that was it for checking in. We can move on to our final segment. It's time for Nerdboy Book Club. Nerdboy Book Club is the part show Eric and I will assign a longer collected work, discuss it in depth like you would a book club. This week we are discussing Extremity, Volume 1, by Daniel Warren Johnson and uh, Mike Spicer and Russ Wooten. 
mostly Daniel Warren Johnson. He is creator, writer, artist, with Mike, Spy- Mike, Mike Spicer doing the colors, which are also very good. This is a very good comic book. Yep. I think we just finished... Um... We just finished this section of the podcast in record time. <laughs> it's heartbreaking. This comic is really sad. I, uh, it definitely does not pull punches. I don't know that it, it didn't really make me sad, but it it definitely like I feel conflicted reading this. Like immediately, it's odd. Uh, it's like. Uh, <sighs> It didn't it by the end of this first arc, it's very obvious the insane like it's like Moby Dick, you know? It's just become all like just an insane quest for revenge at the cost of everything. Mm-hmm. Um I I really wonder if they're gonna take it in any different direction or if this is just going to be just kind of that same story shape. I mean, is it going to be about the son and daughter eventually walking away from the father's like like crazy quest for or is he going to learn is he going to change there are enough interesting characters kind of pointing out like going against the revenge that it seems like they're going to have to take it in an interesting and different direction yeah i i have an idea i have ideas predictions of where this will go mhm but i don't i mean it could go a variety of places i think it would, yeah every single place of the every single option is interesting yeah i i think that he's created a world where i'm the world itself is not that novel you know no it, it it's post-apocalyptic rebuilt society fl- floating islands and all that we you've seen all that stuff before but he's populated it with characters mm-hmm. that i'm i am on board with i am engaged i will be following this till the end this is a a a very good example of ideas um, execution over ideas Mm -hmm. do you know what i'm saying Mm -hmm. that that you're correct and that there are there's nothing in this that you haven't seen a hundred times in a hundred different stories you know like but like you're invoking them like, oh, this reminds me of these ten different things that I really like. This guy reminds me of this character. It, it, it's it's a thing that I've been thinking of a lot is how, and I don't even know that you would call this genre fiction, but I mean, maybe you could even call most comic stories some kind of genre fiction. But like to an extent, like they are just kind of made out of tropes, and we expect certain things out of stories just you know, do it fresh and do it really well. Use those tropes to create emotional resonance. And it, it I don't know, it's, it does. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it is, you make every character, despite the fact that some are at odds with each other, compelling and understandable. It's sympathetic. Like, uh, the father, it's... At a certain point, you you see the path he's on. Mm-hmm. You see this. His he he can't stop. This, yeah. He he cannot. Even though you see that it is ultimately self destructive mm-hmm. and suicidal, and also not even self destructive, but destructive to, towards his own. The rest of what is left of his family. Yeah. And I want him to stop. 
I want mm-hmm. him to realize what he's doing is not going to make him any happier. And for him just to, I don't know, make peace with the damage that has been done to him and try and salvage the rest of his life. That that scene where they're going, I don't know, there's like a graveyard or something and mm-hmm. it's got that archway. Mm-hmm. And he, she's like, I can't do it. And he's like, no, you, you, you walk through it and you remember. And while that like certainly seems like, oh, it's this thing you do to, to pay homage to your dead mother. He's really just sort of locked there in the past. He can't let it go. No. And he's just, he's just living. He's just living for that. I really do think that that is really where my perception of him really shifted so radically um where he tries to kill the robot or he does he takes the battery out he fights the the pacifist guy and kills his wife in front of him Mm -hmm. it's just a fascinating issue and it up up to that point i think i was just like yeah this is badass action comic and then you're like holy shit this is getting really complicated no it escalates and, it escalates yeah. the situations really cleverly because yeah. at first you're rooting for all these people you're like yeah this guy like yeah get revenge on this dude that played the violin mm-hmm. while people were being tortured and in, in like your family was being yeah. murdered yeah like yeah he deserves it and then you're yeah. like oh this this hunter dude who like is you know killing wolves and like like and these the, yeah. the people they're targeting become more and more and more sympathetic and then suddenly you're like wait a minute, this isn't, this is not, these are not, the. these are not, this is not worth it. At a certain point you go, oh, this is, these people are, are victims just like you. And now you're, you're just making it worse. You're continuing the cycle. Uh, and I want, I know he's not going to stop, mm. but I still am, I still understand him. Like he's still sympathetic. Like I, he's, I still feel sad about him. I feel like, oh, I, it's not that I don't hate him. It's, I feel sad. Like, I, it's just, he's just trapped. Yeah. We feel sad for Ahab because he can't let go and he's dragging people to their death and he doesn't see it. It reminds me of a, did you see uh, No Country for Old Men? Yes. Okay. A couple times, I think. Yeah. The, the scene where uh, Tommy Lee Jones' character goes to see his brother, I think his brother, mm-hmm. the, in the wheelchair. And, uh, I don't re- I don't recall this scene, but go ahead. It's uh you know his brother lives out in the middle of nowhere and he's like in a cabin and he takes care of him. He's it's him and his he has cats mm-hmm. and he's like I don't think you know obviously they don't like ex- tell you exactly what happened to his brother but his brother's in a wheelchair and it's just it seems like he got a he got put there he got you know attacked and got put in a wheelchair and it's the they have a discussion about revenge and about holding on to anger. And the the brother is like, uh, at a certain point, you gotta just close the you you can't keep that door open trying to get some of that stuff back because as long the longer you hold that door open, the more stuff goes out of it. And that's what I think this is that this is where he is in the story. It's just like he's opening holding that door open trying to get the 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 feelings he had back, and he doesn't realize they're all gone and. He's just letting what's left out the door, but I I don't know. It's it's him and Thea and um, what's the the brother's name? Um, I can't remember. Abo is that the brother's name? Um, or is that the thing? No, that's what they say. 
Yeah, he's uh, he's Abba. That's his that's his title. Ah, he had a name too. Ro- Rolo. Rolo is his yeah. name. That's it. Um, those that really they have a re- I really like their dichotomy. Mm-hmm. I really like that he's supposed to be the leader, but he's a pacifist. Thea is supposed to be the artist, and she's the one who's bloodthirsty, but then realizes what her father cannot. That you have to stop this at some point. That that they can't. You can't keep this going. And they realize it. But it the fact that this this world is now. I, I feel like that we're gonna get into a place where we they explore the world a little bit. I feel like that's where they're they're going because the, it seems like their ship is gonna go crash in the ruined the under whatever they call it. Mm. I th- I feel like that's I feel like that's where they're going. I don't know, but I feel like. So many, so many stories, so many people try and tell stories, uh, about world with, about these interesting worlds they have and they never, never establish a fundamental of character. Yeah. I, this book, I'm interested in the world because I'm so compelled by the characters. Yes. It's a, it's a common, it's a mistake that people make a lot nowadays. People don't learn storytelling from the, the, the correct things. Good God, the action scenes in this. Yeah, I, I, I do want to. The art is Daniel Warren Johnson is my biggest art crush right now. I absolutely adore the man's artwork. It's amazing. I mean, the guy is like, honestly, I like him better than Paul Pope. I was gonna say he's the next Paul Pope. I like him better than Paul Pope, and that's fucking saying something. Like it, it's it's Paul Pope, but like he's got more of like the manga DNA that I really like. Mm-hmm. You know, like that these action sequences are straight out of Akira. You know, it, not to say he's just like stealing from Katsuhiro Otomo, but like doing an action scene like Katsuhiro Otomo is no joke. It, like it, it's an amazing thing. It feels like it is a lot of different, it, it, a lot of different influences all meshed together to create very, very well. Yeah, really, really seamlessly. Seamlessly. Yeah. Yes. And, and it it manages to both ha- like really powerful and dynamic action uh, of 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 you know things like Akira and and then also really emotive really but subtle emotion not it's not exaggerated it is very it it this comic is feels very much like a western to me in a lot of ways it's because it's very much like subtle glances and uh i I, what is it you said about uh it was the x-men comic with uh with the bishop and old man logan meeting you're like the clint eastwood stairs yeah and like you said you can't really do that i'm like well i think this comic actually does that at times where there are scenes without dialogue, there are moments without dialogue, and I feel like the emotion is is clear. And I, I feel like I don't want those I don't I feel like that's the thing that the variety is what sold it was it sells me, is what makes me buy in so hard on this comic, is because the action is really good and really powerful and really visceral and dangerous. But then you also have really emotive and powerful acting in the characters characters faces and it sells like a lot especially i don't know some certain some of these scenes like 
dialogue would be too much. You couldn't, you can't say anything, but because the, the, the faces are so, so well, uh, so well drawn and, and so well deliver that emotion, you don't, you can, it works because, because of the, the, because of that alone, because it sells it better than any dialogue probably could. The, I mean, it, it makes me think of, you, you described it earlier this episode as that clunky comic book exposition. And in a way, what you're describing even is that, even though it's said in the characters' voices. Mm-hmm. And almost always what that stems from is the writer being super precious and assuming that the artist can't tell the story the same way that they can. So you get something that's really clunky. Mm-hmm. You know, I always think of this old comic where someone was like getting hit with knockout gas and they literally said, uh, passing out, <laughs> which is like possibly the worst example. Like, like that, that writer trusted that artist so little to communicate that that person was passing out that they literally had them say, uh, passing out. Like those literal three words, uh, passing out. And I mean, obviously he's going to trust himself. Mm-hmm. So he knows, and that, that's the advantage of this more kind of manga style of writing and drawing your own work that it's entirely up to you to sell what is story in that panel or that page or that issue. So you're going to craft it whole cloth. And in a lot of ways you can have, like there are lots of moments in manga, like you're describing, that's just feels like empty space but like it's setting a mood or it, it, it it's characters just being tense around each other and it's not storytelling that is easy to do. I mean, two creators that really trust each other can do it, but it seems more like it's a product of like whole cloth comic creation like this. Like you'd see it in Stoko or Brandon Graham or I mean, anyone who writes and draws and creates whole cloth their own you know manga inspired western comic you're you're not going to see it in um that writer artist um division of labor that we expect in in western comics i mean not at least not very often like you said no. it, it it i think when you, would, you see it in long-term partnerships where they people yeah. are familiar with each other yeah that's and that's why you know Greg Pak, Greg Pak probably prefers to work with Takashi Miyazawa or um, Gillen and uh, McKelvey work together so much that he can hand something off to him and say, hey, I know you got this. And then he does it, mm-hmm. you know, or he comes back to him and says, well, what if we get rid of this and do this instead? You know, mm-hmm. it, it it's it's a partnership and that's closer to that that whole cloth creation that is a book like this and less like, um, you know, well, you're my employee, go do this. Yeah. This comic is extraordinarily confident. Mm. I'd say he has a lot to be confident about. No, I, I, I agree. He's both written a, a very good thing and drawn. <laughs> I mean, when extremity number one came out, I remember being outrageously excited about it. And I'm pretty sure I called it a perfect comic book. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I kind of still feel like it, it is as it lives up to that. This is a, a great, 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 great creation. Yeah, it is. And I, I hope to be reading it and rereading it for many years. I can't wait for this trade to come out. Yeah, it's, I don't know how long it will, it will be. I don't, it feels very much like I, I think he, he said, all along that he's had this idea for a very long time and it's been, Mm -hmm. it's been gestating, uh, for a a long time. So I imagine, I, I I think that's, that's the story he's telling is a finite story. Uh, unless I, I can foresee it extending if you wanted to, but I have a feeling like it, it is impactful because it feels like there's a countdown happening. It feels there's like a, a tension and a pressure at every turn and i don't i don't think this comic will ever ease off of that i don't think it it those silent quiet moments only work was because you know that something bad is coming and like in every issue is like as you read along every issue is it's like a really great comic in every sense of the word like you can read this week to week and it really works because one it is very despite having a lot of action and stuff like i it feels very dense to me it feels like there mm-hmm. is a, a lot of storytelling going on there's no empty panels there's no empty filler everything yeah. is everything feels purposeful uh, uh and directed and every issue feels like it is advancing advancing plot giving you sub- substantial character and value it doesn't feel like it's my complaint about you know Brian Michael Bendis books where I go like I really like this book and I you know I think he writes dialogue really well but I don't think anything happened in this issue why am I reading mm-hmm. this week why am I reading this month to month there's no point I can just I'll wait until it's collected in trade and read all at once and then even then I'm going I this trade is extraordinarily expensive for the amount of things that are happening quote unquote and I don't mean to say like dialogue between characters isn't important but meaningful dialogue between characters is important. Yeah. I, 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 and especially in a story like this, I, we're not reading this comic to say, Hey, I want to spend some time with these characters as they drink coffee. No, there's, there is tension and conflict and drama delivered at a constant pace. Mm. There is no letting up. Uh, it is. Have I ever, have I, how long has it been since I've invoked the ghost of Kurt Vonnegut? Uh, maybe a, Three weeks, maybe. Is it? It had to have been a little bit longer than that. I don't. Well, I mean, you know, the three episodes, four episodes, maybe. That yeah, I I feel like it's been. I, yeah, is a thing that has always stuck with me when I read it. You know, Vonnegut talking about writing that you know every every scene should be either to reveal character, or advance plot, and I think that really gets to the heart of what you're saying. That he very much. I mean, twenty pages. You know, maybe in each of these issues and they're introducing characters that we already know their stakes. They're very rich. They're very interesting. You know, maybe there's shortcuts and tropes that are used to, you know, the guy shoots uh, uh, an endangered wolf and then there's the princess with her face chopped off. Like we're we immediately know how we feel about these things and it's emotionally charged and we're on board like crazy. But that's the kind of thing that works really well in this format. It like literally today, uh, Cameron Stewart retweeted a thing about uh, David Mamet 
uh, sent out a memo to he was exe- he's executive producer of a CBS show called The Unit, which got mm-hmm. canceled. And he sent out a memo to the writing staff. And it is like, a, frankly, I pr- probably anyone who wants to write anything should read. Uh, but it, I think it is specifically useful for comic books and for, you know, television and movies, you know, visual medium. And it's like every scene should be dramatic. You should not have mm. two, there should not be a scene where two people are talking about a third person that's not there. That shouldn't exist. You you have a visual medium. Use the visual medium to show information. There should be no – every scene should be about your hero trying to get something and failing. Every scene should be delivered. Like, it's just – it's really yeah. – it's really uh, good advice for – mm. and reading that and then, like, discussing this comic. It is like every scene is telling us something about these yeah. characters. There's nothing wasted. There's nothing, and it, it doesn't feel like it's biting. It's uh, there's there's not like the the horrors of decompression in this thing. I like I, I, t- t- I already said how dense I think it is. It's the whole way through feels everything feels vital. It doesn't feel like I I don't feel shortchanged when I'm reading this thing. It feels like you said a, a perfect comic. It feels incredibly valuable. Everything I read feels valuable. Yeah. I don't think they ever say this or even show it, but the dad's weapon, is that a, sh- like, was, was that a shovel at some point? I don't know if it was or not. Cause that's, it, it felt, is, it, it is like action shovel. And it felt very much like, because they have that whole bit where you go to the, the, uh, like the, the lady, the seer lady, and she gives you your title Mm-mm. and he's provider. And it, I don't know. It felt very much like that, that, that weapon he uses is very much like a symbol of what he was like everything about him. It feels very much like he, what he used to be. Yeah. He was a farmer that became a warlord. Yeah. He doesn't have uh, anything to hold on to anymore because what his whole identity was taken from him. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I like that. I mean, I think that's what, I mean, I think all these characters, their identities have been taken from them mm-hmm. because Thea, she lost her hand. She can't draw like she used to. Um, I wish I knew the the dad's name. I can't remember it. Yeah, we know who you mean. He's dad. He's dad. Yeah. War dad. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's shovel dad. Shovel dad. Yeah. Everyone wants to date shovel dad. I don't want to date shovel dad. Yeah, you probably don't. He has some baggage. He's he's, he's so hung up on his ex. <laughs> Jesus. He's got like weird tusks. He'll pull your teeth out. He will do that. Choppy with a shovel. Yeah. No, thank you. I don't want any of that. Pretty fucked. But I mean, his. He, he was the provider. He took care of a, of his family, and you kill his wife and destroy his home. What is there? There's nothing. I mean, yeah. I feel like all these characters are dealing with. I mean, I I think fundamentally this book is about about loss and about yeah. identity and about mm. revenge. About you know, uh, I think Daniel Moore Johnson did. Uh, he says he was inspired by uh, a Jewish woman named Eva Kor who forgave the Nazis who captured her as a child. Mm. And I think that the idea of loss and forgiveness is all there. And yeah. you take you take those ideas and you imbue them into these characters and I don't know. It's this is a fantastic comic book. I'm really like it's it's always nice when you read these things because they're refreshing. They revitalize your love. Yeah. It, you know, you could read five bad comics in a row and then you read this really great one, you're like, Oh right, this is why. I like comic books so much because they can do things like this. 
I mean, there's so much to talk about. There's, the, the violence in it is really uh, gory and bloody and disgusting, but I feel like it all serves a purpose. I feel like it, it, you have to have the awful violence present. Like this world is. The, it has to be, it has to be violent. It has to be bad. Yeah. You have to, it has to be visceral. You really have to feel it. I think it, it says something where they're leading up to that point where he kills, uh, that soldier's wife. Mm-hmm. The, the book is re- like extraordinarily violent all the way through. Like people get chopped in half and, and, sm- and smashed to bits by that big giant monster. And, you know, people are just killed in graphic and disgusting ways. But then all he does is just cut her throat. And it's really, mm-hmm. it's pretty tame compared to everything else that we've seen. But even, the, but that in its kind of understate, understated violence is very impactful because you feel the, the, the gesture by, of, of what that means for that, for, for, for Shovel Dad. Jerome is his name. The father, dad's name is Jerome. I still like Shovel Dad. <laughs> I don't know. This is a beautiful, lovely, grand, sad, heartbreaking comic. Mm. That feels epic. Yeah. It feels big, even though it's a small story, really. Yeah. And I am... No, it's a, it's a great work of fiction. And I'm super excited to see what happens. Oh, my God, yeah. I. It's another one where you just buy every trade, just keep going, mm. read them all. Anything else you want to say here? No. I can't think of anything. I want Shiloh back. I think we're going to get him back. I, I, I sincerely hope so. He's like Zorn to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I really, like, immediately, that was the first thing that came to my mind was uh, Zorn from X-Men. Sort of faceless pacifist guy. Who's capable of extraordinary violence. Yeah. No, I think we're going to get Shiloh back. I would hope so. I, I, I think this has, actually, from this point, way the hell more potential. Because this could go thousands of directions mm-hmm. and i just hope that it it really whatever he chooses to do that it it i don't know that it, it continues to do what this does so well because it i still think it's it is quite nearly perfect it is a wonderful wonderful piece of art so that was extremity volume one daniel warren johnson mike spicer uh next week we'll be doing spider-man blue jeff Loeb, tim sale one of the one of their Marvel origin story books. Let's see, they did Hulk Gray, they did Daredevil Yellow, Spider Man Blue. Is there any others? I think it was just did they do a Captain America? Yeah, which yeah. we read. Yeah, they it was did. pretty. It was more recent. Yeah, that was a more recent one. Uh, but uh, join us some 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 Peter Porker. Yeah, the fabulous Spider Ham <laughs> with some some Gwen Stacy, the original mm-hmm. Gwen Stacy, no Spider yep. Gwen. Yep. That's next week. Uh, that'll do it for this week. We are the Handsome Boys Comics Hour. You can find us at handsomeboyscomicshour.com. Find links to everything there. Facebook.com slash handsomeboyscomicshour. Twitter at HBC Hour. You can email us at handsomeboyscomics at gmail.com. Uh, any of those places, you can follow us, like us, subscribe to us, the, the social media words. You do all those things. Go on Apple Podcasts uh, or Stitcher or Google Play Music or wherever you listen to us. Give us a five-star review. Subscribe. Tell your friends. All those things uh, help us out. Help us find new listeners. We like that. You can find me on Twitter at Robbie Dorman. Eric, where can they find you and your things online? What a great question. You can find my portfolio by going to Eric's or to going to freewillunlimited.com, 
portfolio is also on ericzgoodnight.com, but you can use that to see the other things I get up to online, including my Instagram and my Twitter, where I'm known on both as Easy Goodnight. With that, we'll call it a day. Have a good one. Rock and roll. Mm-hmm.